And the Bible says this, that this is on the one I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and who trembles at my word. And when you get a group of people together that begin to see God for who he is and all his splendor, that, that he's high and lifted up and there's none like our God. Oh, he'll do a work that cannot be explained in the human finite mind. Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. Oh, Father, we come before you today. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would move in this place. We pray that you would stir. We pray that we'd hear your voice and no other voices. And so, God, we ask, Lord, would you fix my heart right now upon Christ? Lord, open my mind to your word. Lord, remind me of the gospel. Lord, empty me of this world. Lord, bless those who minister. Lord, help me to encourage others. And lastly, Lord, equip me to respond in faith. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you and only you, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer. May you rule in this place, oh God. May I decrease and you increase. Give me divine unction right now, Father. May people not see the vessel, but I pray they simply see the King whose name is Jesus. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We hallow your name in this place this morning. And we pray this all in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Take your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, as we are looking at the second chapter now, as we work our way through this book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13 this morning. And we're examining the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, there is much debate on who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, I pray today we'll have great clarity leaving this place, simply knowing who is the Holy Spirit. Uh, so much has been said, so much has been said that's not true. Uh, we want to go back to Scripture to see very clearly who the Holy Spirit is and what He does. And so I pray that you have your Bible open as we look at these uh, glorious verses, Acts chapter 2. Verses 1 through 13, and this is what the Word of God says. 
when the day of Pentecost arrived, that's referring back again to the Old Testament feast and the first fruits in this beginning of the church in the New Testament, that's Pentecost, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. This is God's presence. This is the pneuma, the Holy Spirit. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Look at verse 3. And divided tongues, it simply means languages, as of fire, again the presence of the Lord, there it is, appeared to them, and it rested on each of them. Verse 4, and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, other languages, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and we're going to see a list here in a moment. And at the sound, the multitude came together. So, so you just see what's going on here. The, the Holy Spirit is pushing them together. He's unifying. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but the Holy Spirit comes to bring unity and oneness. Well, what happened? Well, it's interesting because as they came together, they were bewildered. you see that? So they came together, they're bewildered. What's going on here is what they're saying, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language, this tongue. Seven, and they were amazed and astonished, understatement, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? So for a moment, they're going, wait a minute, aren't, aren't they all the same language? Eight, And how is it that we hear each of his own original or native language? There's Parthians and and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Quite a list there is in their church, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. The whole deal is there. We hear them telling in our own tongues, languages, the mighty works of God. That's the key. Let me say that again. We hear them telling in our own languages the mighty works of God. Now look at 12. And all, not some, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, okay, here it is. Here's the key. But others, the naysayers... But others mockingly said they are filled with new wine. Now, just pause there for a moment. So, you have this group, they're believers, they're they're from all over, and the Holy Spirit is bringing them together in one accord. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He, He brings together, no matter the differences, no matter the challenges, that when you are one in Christ... There's a desire to want to work together. That There's a desire to want to push through. There's a desire to want to, to solve the challenges. That There's a desire, but the enemy goes, no, 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 we got to tear this thing apart. And so what happens? Well, they're speaking in these languages, and the people are going, I think these people have been partying way too much, and they're drunk. And we're going to see next week as Peter stands up and takes leadership, biblical leadership, we're going to see it very clearly that he's going to put to rest what they're thinking. But I wanted to pause here on this because this whole section is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And if we don't get back just to the basics and understand who the Holy Spirit is, 
Not what, he's a he. You don't grieve and quench a what, you grieve and quench a he, a person. And we're going to see so clearly by the power, I pray, of the Holy Spirit, even right now in this room, that I pray the Holy Spirit be so heavy in my heart and your heart that we would see so clearly the critical importance in a true believer's life of the Holy Spirit. When you look in your Bible there, I want you to note one thing as I launch into, I'm going to give you six keys of who the Holy Spirit is, but I want you to look at this one more time. And suddenly, verse 2, there came from heaven, okay, don't overlook that. Where did it come from? Help me, church, it came from heaven. Okay, key, it came from heaven, it's from God. The sound like a mighty rushing wind, this pneuma, this Holy Spirit. I guess when you look at this, things are getting a little bit wild here. But here it is. Let me give you these six keys. And I want to make a note here. I'm going to use the term true believer a bunch. True believer. I'm going to use this word a bunch, this phrase. I'm going to use this phrase a bunch. Here's a definition of a true believer in Christ. A true believer is a person who is not perfect, but they're being perfected. Sanctification, ongoing change, and they have already given their life to Jesus. Not just a profession, not a hand raise, not just signing a card, but, but I've given my life to Christ. Their belief in Christ is threefold. It's intellectual, it's emotional, and the act of the will has captivated their heart, mind, and soul, and they've surrendered their will to Christ. They're so deeply moved that their life is totally surrendered to Christ. Jesus now owns them. They seek to daily deny self and take up their cross and follow Him as they seek to please Him and walk in humility, all while being imperfect, still stumbling, still struggling, but working towards perfection on that day when we're fully glorified in God's presence. Amen? Here it is, key number one. Write this down. The Holy Spirit gives life to true believers. The Holy Spirit gives life to true believers. Write down Romans chapter 8, 5 through 11. I'm going to give you supporting verses on every point here that will show you exactly what the Word says about the Holy Spirit. Write this down, Romans 8, 5 through 11. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds, the battlefield of the mind, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is what? Help me, church. Life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It's going to war against God. God, I don't want you. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. It's impossible. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, he's talking to true believers. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. He's challenging them. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But, verse 10, if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, there's still the struggle, the Spirit is, help me church, 
life. Because of what? Righteousness. Jesus is righteousness. He's made me righteous. He's made you righteous. Verse 11, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give, help me church, life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The Holy Spirit, key number one, gives life to true believers. Just not physical life, most importantly, spiritual life. All things become new for the true believer. It's real, it's true. Well, we're not perfect, we struggle. Every one of us in this room struggles. I struggle, you struggle. But when the Holy Spirit is in us, He enables us to press towards one another. He enables us to stay the course. The enemy is trying to pull apart and rip apart. But the Holy Spirit says, no, you're going to stay together. You're going to band together. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Key number two, the Holy Spirit indwells true believers, and they are under His control. Key number two, the Holy Spirit indwells true believers, and they are under His control. You know, all humans, me, you, everyone that's ever lived on this planet, are in a control war. We're all in a control war. That's what it is. If you want to just sum it up, we're all in a control war. It started in the Garden of Eden. It's happening today. It's going to happen tomorrow. We all desire control. And when we don't have control, typically decisions get made, feelings get hurt, and things begin to implode. The whole point of being a Christ follower is that we surrender control. There's a song years ago that was written, it's called Jesus Take the Wheel. We chuckle, but what a perfect illustration. I remember years ago, you would see a bumper sticker, and it said, Jesus is my co-pilot. I thought, what a stupid bumper sticker. Jesus is your co-pilot? That's the problem. He wants to be the pilot. And it is so easy, isn't it, church, for me, for you, to, to be lured away. And I've said it so many times, I don't think the enemy, he doesn't make sin obvious. He doesn't tempt us into glaring sin usually. It's just enough to get us off Jesus, just enough, just a smidge, just a hint to get us off Christ, to still look good, to still look okay. And then we make decisions that are catastrophic and often will damage our lives and families forever. True believers surrender control joyfully. Write down 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 through 17. Write this down. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. 
Do you not know that you are God's temple, talking to true believers, that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is what, church? Holy, set apart. And you are the temple. So think through this. If you're a true believer here today, the Holy Spirit indwells you. That word indwells in the original means this, to be under the control of. So if you are under the control of the Lord, if I'm under the control of the Lord, prayerfully, I and you aren't doing this begrudgingly. Prayerfully, there's a joyful submission. Going, man, I, I want this. Like, I hunger for this. I, I long for this. I, I've tried it my own way, and, and, and I've, I've listened to the noise, or I've gotten caught in this, or maybe I'm often in an addiction, or whatever it might be. And as we delve into these things, we can profess Christ, but we're not truly under the control of the Holy Spirit. When we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, right there it tells us there that we are the temple of God. That you, yes, you, you might be the only Jesus that some people see tomorrow at work. Like in the darkness that you're walking into, in the challenges you're walking into tomorrow, maybe in your marriage, maybe in your home, maybe in your finances, I don't know what it looks like, but whatever challenge, whatever crisis you're dealing with today, you may be the only Jesus that people see. It's just too easy to look for exit ramps, isn't it? Well, man, I'm in a struggle, so I'm leaving this, and I'm leaving that, and going over here, and doing this, and man, <laughs> life's hard. <laughs> it's going to be hard no matter where you go. You can't escape it, especially when you stand for truth and stand for Christ. No, no, you stand tall. You, you, you sink in. You stand firm. That's what we see so often. If you start in the epistles that Paul wrote, that Peter wrote, that, that you see that Jude wrote, on and on we go. Hebrews, there's some debate on who wrote that one. We see James. When you look at those gentlemen that the Holy Spirit indwelt, took under their control, that they began to speak words of life, you see over and over this same narrative. It is the same narrative in all of these epistles life's hard. If you're going to stand for Christ, don't bend, don't buckle, don't break, stay the course. I mean, over and over you see this message. Peter even told us, don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange, this fiery trial that's come upon you. Rejoice. Well, the Holy Spirit in the second point here will take you under His control. He will indwell you and you are His temple. You are His billboard. Think about this last verse I want to give you under key number two. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 20. Write that one down. It says this, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We were bought with a price. If you're a true believer here today, you were bought with the most precious blood that's ever been shed on Calvary. Jesus so gloriously told us there, just read it this morning, in what we call the Lord's Prayer. And he said, if, if you do not forgive others when they trespass against you, the Lord will not forgive you. He made it very clear. We see the parable and the, the unmerciful servant and, hey, help me, help me. I know I sinned against you, master. Okay, I'll forgive you. Now he goes out and grabs the other guy by the neck. He throws him away. He won't forgive him. I mean, it's just a total colossal collapse. 
And we see so clearly that, yes, when we deal in sin, when we deal with people, there are always going to be challenges. The reason at your workplace that there's challenges is simply this, you're dealing with people. And anytime there's people, you have one of two options. (laughs) You either get on the same page and move forward, or you don't. And so many times, I think we, we quit We throw in the towel. We say, you know what, I'm looking for the exit ramp. And so many times I've seen this happen over and over and over, whether it be a business ball team, marriage. You see this happen in marriages all the time. Man, I'm tired of this. I didn't sign up for this. I'm not getting what I want. I'm out of here. And we see marriages imploding by the droves, both inside the church and outside the church. It's just too easy to look for the easy way out versus, you know what, now we're going to stay the course, we're going to work through this, we're going to believe that God's got big things in store. That's the way to go because God through His power, God through His power, through the inspiration and illumination of the Holy Spirit, He can make a way where there seems to be no way. When the kids of Israel are standing there at the, the Jordan River, it's a flood stage, they face an impossible hurdle. But when the soles of the feet of the priest touched the water first, then the water parted. Jesus, this is what he tells us, I wanted to get in the water first. Wait a minute, Jesus, that's deep. Wait a minute, Jesus, that's, that's frightening. Their backs are against the Red Sea. In many places of the Red Sea that I've studied over the years, we don't know exactly where they crossed. There's hypotheticals, but we know this. The water in some places is a mile deep, a mile. And when we read in Scripture that that literally the walls of the water turned to, that they congealed as walls. Can you imagine? You're trudging through, and you're looking up at these walls of water as you're walking through. Here's the reality, church. If you're praying for a miracle you got to be in a situation that requires a miracle. And when God begins to show up and show off by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through people that He indwells, He can do great things in the midst of the pain. He can do great things in the midst of the crisis. He can do great things. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. Because key number three sums that thought up, and it goes something like this. Key number three, the Holy Spirit leads true believers into truth. The the Holy Spirit leads true believers into truth. Contrary to the culture, truth is not subjective. It's not relative. The truth, listen church, the truth is rock solid in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? The truth is rock solid. Write down John 16 verse 13. John 16, 13. Write that down in your notes. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what church? The truth. 
for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Again, the enemy is anti-truth. The enemy is anti-teaching of Christ. The enemy is anti-gospel. The the enemy is anti-nuclear family that's a Christian family. The enemy, again, is all about how can I slither in, get people focused on self, and just tear this place apart. That's what the enemy does. We must be a people, whether church, business, ball team, especially home, Man, I pray your homes are homes. Dads, I'm going to call us out right now. I pray that we are dads, grandpas, that we teach our children, that we teach our grandchildren truth. That we're in the Word, that they see us with our Bibles open, that we're praying with our our wives, we're praying with our kids, that, that we're praying with our grandkids, that we're pouring Scripture into them. You know this, parents and grandparents, if you and I do not take the lead, even on you that have smaller children, if you don't pour the doctrine of Christ, the doctrine of the gospel, into them at a young age, the data is very alarming. It's extremely alarming in 2022 that we must be pouring Christ into our kids at every opportunity. Because here's the deal, when they get on the bus and go to school, when you drop them off at school, When you drop them off at a friend's house, the reality is the enemy is constantly there. He's constantly there trying to woo them away and stir them away from away from the truth. If we don't lead our kids, the MTV generation will gladly do it. They will gladly take the lead. They will gladly take the role in your house and my house, and they will gladly take over and go, hey, dad, if you're not going to lead them, grandpa, if you're not going to lead them, I'll be happy to lead them right off a spiritual cliff. No, it's the truth. We anchor ourselves to the truth, and we don't bend, we don't buckle, we don't break. We stay true to the Word of God. Key number three again, the Holy Spirit leads true believers into truth. Key number four, write this down. The Holy Spirit enables true believers to bear the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables true believers to bear the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Every human being is bearing fruit. We're all bearing fruit. It's either good fruit or it's rotten fruit, but we're all bearing fruit. And the bottom line is, in these bodies of death, we're all struggling. It's so easy to point out someone else's fault, but it's so hard to admit our own, isn't it? It's like when Jesus said that, you know, be careful that you're trying to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye when you literally got a forest growing out of your own eye. It's just so easy. It's so easy to deflect and, and just rationalize and justify. That's not what God's called us to do. And when we apologize to one another, man, that should be received. Man, when, when we go, hey, I'm sorry, then we should go, I, I receive that. There should be a a unity, a oneness there in your home when when mom and dad, when you have a spat, I know that probably never happens in your house, but when you have a spat with your spouse, I I hope there's a a, a genuine there. Man, I apologize. I hope there's not, you know, we're going to hold hard feelings and we're going to take our marbles and go somewhere else. No, I pray that it's, you know what, man, man, we're in this for the long haul. Man, it's, I do. Not I don't, not I did, it's I do, for better or for worse. 
that you press through that. It's the same illustration in other entities in my life and your life. The enemy wants to tear apart and destroy and twist and distort and convince and, and trick and dupe. No, we must stay anchored to this, that we must bear good fruit even though we all struggle. Me at the top of the list. Write down Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. Write this down. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. This is what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says this, but I say, walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, the pneuma there, the Holy Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. This is so interesting, but it's so simple. If you and I are walking in the Spirit, if you're focused, missile locked on the Spirit all day long, it's going to be impossible to walk in the flesh. Why? Because you're walking in the Spirit. I'm walking in the Spirit. But the moment we let our guard down, the moment we go, well, you know, that's not really that big of a deal, that's when the enemy jumps over the fence. 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other. What? Here it is. To keep you, to prevent you from doing the things you want to do. But, verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, if you are under the control of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality. There's the, kind of the big ones, right? Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. But these are the big list, isn't it? It's like, wow, man, these people are big sinners. Enmity, strife, wait a minute, jealousy, okay. A little less on the food chain. Fits of anger, rivalries, I'm not getting what I want. Dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Back to the big list. And things like these. I warn you, Paul says, as I warned you before. So here's a double warning that those who do such things, both big list and small list, all sin, if you do these things, he's saying habitually, and you don't repent, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Now, let me pause there for a moment. The fruit of the Spirit, is there anyone here today that has followed those fruit of the Spirit 100% every day of their life? Yeah, me neither. So what do you do when you encounter those situations where that's not followed. Well, prayerfully, you can work through it, amen? I mean, that's just the whole point. That's the whole point in Scripture. You keep working through it. You keep pressing forward. You keep moving forward. We're all sinners. I'm guilty. You're guilty. We're all guilty. The the beauty of sin, and I know that sounds strange, but the beauty of sin is that when we take it to the cross, the beauty of it is this, A, it can be nailed to the cross and we bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, it is well with our soul. But the beauty as well is that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Think about that thought. J.C. Ryle said it like this, where there is no holy living, there is no Holy Spirit. J.C. Ryle, where there's no holy living, there's no Holy Spirit. Key number five. Here they go. Last two keys. The Holy Spirit seals the true believer. The Holy Spirit seals the true believer. You know, a a big wave right now in our current culture is this thing called deconstructing your faith. It's taken over. 
deconstructing your faith. Do you know this, that it's impossible to deconstruct something that was never true in the first place? When your faith is real and it's true, I'm going to show you right now from Scripture that it's always real and true. Here's what the Bible says about being sealed. Ephesians chapter 1, 13 through 14. In Him you also, when you heard the words of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. You are sealed. So when you come to Christ and it's real, it's that moment where you give your life to Christ, where again, intellectually you go, check, I get this. Emotionally you're stirred, but there's an act of the will that says, you know what? I don't want to be in this any longer. I don't want to be in darkness. I, I, I see, God, I see who you are. I see you in all your splendor. God, I see you in all your glory. And I see who I am. And God, I'm not asking you to somehow make my life better. God, here's what I'm doing. I'm not even going to accept you right now. God, I'm seeing who I am, and I'm pleading with you, God, will you accept me? and all my brokenness, and all my pain, and all my shame, and all my wickedness, God, will you accept me? And the Bible says this, that this is on the one I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit, and who trembles at my word. And when you get a group of people together that begin to see God for who He is, and all His splendor, that, that He's high and lifted up, and there's none like our God. Oh, He'll do a work that cannot be explained in the human finite mind. We're sealed. For you that have given your life to Christ, it's real and it's true, you're sealed. You're sealed. It literally, it's that old signet ring back in those days that the king would take the hot wax and he would take the signet ring, he would fold over the letter that had to be delivered. It was from the king himself. That's the visual here. It was from the king himself. And the king would deliver that letter, and he'd take that hot wax, he would take that finger there, and he'd put that ring in there, and he would mark it, he would stamp it, he would seal it, he would authenticate it, that the king himself, the king himself has authenticated this, and that he's saying that what's in this letter is true, it's genuine, it's real. That's what he does in the true believer's life. When you have given your life to Christ, even though we struggle, and we do, all of us do, we struggle. No matter where you go, you can bounce around, but you're, you're still going to be struggling. He seals this though. He seals this and says, I'm the King Jesus, I'm King Jesus, and I'm going to seal and authenticate your life. I'm going to testify to everybody that your life is no longer your own. You were bought with a price. The most precious blood that's ever been shed was shed on Calvary. It was not any price. It was the price. The greatest price that has ever been paid on planet earth was paid on a hill called Calvary on a cross of Golgotha. And Jesus Christ, he goes, put your name in there if it's true and real. He goes, I'm going to seal you. It's not a license to sin. That's not salvation. That's not realizing who God is and His holiness and His awe and His wonder. We're sealed, though, for those that are true in Christ. And it's a guarantee of our salvation. 
Look at number six. Here's the last key. Write this down. Key number six. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God, and He can be grieved and quenched. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the triune God, and He can be grieved and quenched. For a true believer, a true family that's gospel-centered for a true church, every decision must be processed through the lens of Scripture. Not the lens of self, not the lens of emotion and feeling, not the lens of the business world, not the lens of best practices. Because the loudest voice, hear me clearly on this one, the loudest voice in your life right now is the voice that will lead you. The loudest voice in your life right now is the voice that will lead you. I know this, apart from the Holy Spirit, my own voice will betray me. If we're not listening to the Holy Spirit and walking in these steps that we see who He is, we will make decisions that seem right, but will be revealed to be a great revealer so often, and I've done this in my own life, of not being a godly decision. Think about these verses. Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve. Do not make sorrowful is what that means. The Holy Spirit of God by whom you are, help me church, sealed. There it is again for the day of redemption. Don't make, put your name in there as I put my name in there. John, don't make the Holy Spirit sorrowful. Don't grieve Him. Because 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says this, do not quench. The word quench means this, to, to literally extinguish, to bottleneck. As He's trying to flow in your life and my life, the true believer, it's just too easy to begin to, to strangle. Not intentionally per se, but but what we're hearing, what we're thinking. It's just easy to do this. And that's why the reality is that God will meet you where you obey Him. He will meet you where you obey Him. But as I've learned in my life over the years, He will not meet me where I disobey Him. And so many times, you've got to remember the enemy's out there and he's just making it look right. He's making it seem plausible. <laughs> and it's not right, and it's not plausible, but He convinces us to do that. And that's why I, I wanted to give you a, a closing thought here today with a poem that I read here this past week at a funeral. It's one that I read at every funeral, and it's one that has gripped my heart so deeply. You know, there's an old phrase that goes something like this, failure in itself is not the issue. It's what you do next that matters. Failure in itself is not the issue. It's what you do next that matters. You know, that can be flipped around. When someone fails you, fails me. What is our next response going to be? 
You know, I think if we begin to think through the lens of the finite time we're on this earth, I think perhaps it will help us bring some clarity to this work of the Holy Spirit as you struggle, as you stumble towards Christ, as you deal with things in your own personal life that perhaps are consuming you. Listen to this poem entitled The Dash by Linda Ellis. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. Pause. Birth, death, dash. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. To be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you lived your dash? Powerful, isn't it? Powerful. And we get one shot at this. We're not coming back as cows. Not happening. We got one shot. And how are we going to live? I mean, are we going to live modeling restoration? Are we going to live modeling reconciliation? Are we going to live modeling the gospel? Is that how we're going to live? I pray. I pray that for me and I pray that for you. The world's watching, there's waiting. They're waiting to see what it means to live as Christ. Because martyred missionary Jim Elliott said it so well. He is no fool. He's no fool. To give what he cannot keep. To gain that which he can never lose. This world's passing away and everything that we hunger for and think's going to dull the pain and fill the void and just go to the next destination and prayerfully it'll get better and it's just not going to happen. I'm telling you, the more we run, the more the enemy's running after us. Oh God, I pray, would you speak to my heart? Would you speak to our hearts today? Holy Spirit, move in this place. Move like never before. Oh God, may you receive the praise. May you receive the glory. That we would see who you are, Holy Spirit. And that we'd fall in love with you as I and as we repent, as we humble ourselves, and we continue to press forward to advance the gospel like never before. Oh God, I pray to you be the praise, to you be the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 
You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.